This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 11th to the 17th of July. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's news editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Now then, uh, Ezzy, how are we doing? I'm doing well, but let us know what your recommendations are for the coming week's night sky. Well, last week we did mention the moon, and when it's in the evening sky, it is the obvious object to actually observe. But on the 13th, it's full. Now, yes, deep sky observers, sorry, but the moon's full, but it is like night, (laughs) so so you're not exactly going to be seeing much in the way of deep sky. Um, I always think deep sky, it's a case of what you call deep sky double stars. You know, double Mm -hmm. stars, they don't need very dark skies sort of thing. So they're well worth looking at. And the moon doesn't need dark skies, does it, sort of thing. And when it's full, this is your chance to pick out a lot of the ray features. Now, we did mention that the rays of Copernicus were beginning to appear last week, sort of thing, as the Terminator was sweeping across Merimbium and Copernicus hadn't quite appeared into the uh, daylight on the moon's surface. Well, now it has. And when we're full, we get a chance to see the rays. Now, a lot of people go, for the most popular ones. And that is, of course, the typical Tycho, Copernicus, Kepler, Aristarchus. By the way, if you're at Aristarchus, have a little side note sort of thing and look out for Schroeter's Valley nearby. I mean, it's winding away. It's it's actually one of the most obvious valleys. I think more Mm. obvious, really, than Hadley Rill. Hadley Rill takes a little bit more observing skill to actually pick out. But Schroeter's Valley, definitely a lot easier. But there are a few others as well. And it's worth having a look out on the sky sort of thing to on the moon to actually see these. And I always think Messier's twin streaks. So, I mean, Messier's Messier isn't deep sky objects alone. There is a crater Messier actually on the moon as well in Mare Fecunditatis. So have a look at the two. It's very strange because it's the only one that I know of that's got twin streaks coming out of it. So there are others as well because I say the obvious ones are we always go for them, but there's Menelaus. There's some streaks coming out from that and Aristillus as well. So, you know, there are other subtle ray features, but they take a little bit more careful observation, working out where they are, and then following those streaks. There's several streaks over Oceanus Procellarium as well, and they're coming from a crater. I'm not sure which crater, I have to say, sort of thing, because it's on the lunar limb. Very difficult to see which crater it is. But uh, So perhaps our listeners would like to pop in, uh, even our readers sort of thing, when they get the magazine, might want to comment on that and see if they've seen these faint rays crossing Oceanus Procellarium um, from this 
right on the limb in actual fact. So I'd like to know which one it is sort of thing. I, I'm not a big lunar observer, so that's something I, I've only spotted them a few times. So I've never really paid a lot of attention. But I sort of thought, why not? Have a look at it. Again, do something different out of your normal routine sort of thing. So this is the time to do it. This is when the ray features are really at their best. But I say, don't just stick to the main obvious one. There are a few others as well. When we get to July the 16th now, the moon, this is the interesting thing is, the moon is below Saturn. Yes, Saturn is in the evening sky now. It is actually rising around about 11 o'clock-ish, in fact, just before 11 o'clock. So by midnight on the 16th, it's actually well above the horizon. In fact, it's almost above due southeast. So we've got an actual fact Saturn, but Saturn also formed a bit of a triangle with two of the stars in Capricornus. So it's above Delta Capricorni and forming a triangle with Gamma Capricorni as well, which is just to the right of them. So you've got this lovely little triangle of Saturn and, and these two other stars. And then hanging below them, we've actually got the moon as well sort of thing. So this is the 16th. So uh, around about sort of two, three days after full moon. So look over towards the east as well, because if you've got Saturn and the moon at about midnight, incredibly, Jupiter is just rising. Now we haven't yet reached oppositions. We're going to get to them later on in the year. But it just shows you that they are becoming better place to observe and that it won't be long before they're even the evening sky. And they'll be <laughs> a lot easier to observe. And to be fair, more people will look out for them because let's face it, when things are in the evening sky and especially the early evening sky as you get towards the end of the year, then a lot more people tend to notice these planets and mm -hmm. the moon, etc. So these are for the dedicated astronomers, those of us who like to get up or stay up late and observe <laughs> these things. So uh, ironically, the minor world, Vesta is also up because it's in Aquarius as well. So we've got a few of the planets that we usually class in the morning parade. They are now beginning to creep into the evening sky, but late evening sky, say just before midnight. Now, I mentioned Vesta because on July the 17th, and we're looking around about, ironically, 17 minutes past midnight. So on the 17th, there we are. So Vesta is now easier to spot. And it is actually around about magnitude 7.4-ish. So, you know, it's well worth having a go at Vesta because binoculars will actually show it. But the moon is nearby on the 17th. In fact, it's to its left of Vesta. But there's a bit more to it because as the moon rises, this is why I mention it, at 17 minutes past midnight on the 17th, the moon will be well up and you'll see a star to the right. We'll start earlier. Keep a look out on the horizon and watch the moon rise because the moon is occulting this star and this star is Tau Aquarii. So it's being occulted. So we don't see the start, which would have been on the bright limb anyway. Now, it's always a lot harder to view that. But it's always easier to see the sudden reappearance of the star. And it can be quite startling because one minute you've got this dark limb, you can just probably see a little bit, probably not, it's Gibbous moon. So there the, the, the will be very little Earth shine, but with a telescope, you might get a hint of something, but it's basically the dark side. Then suddenly this dot of light appears on the edge. And it is that instantaneous because the stars are pinpoints of light to us. Unless they're doubles. This is how some doubles were discovered, Ezzy. And whereby mm. as the, the occultation took place, suddenly one star appeared and then the next. And they suddenly realised it wasn't a single event. There was actually 
two. So there had to be two stars actually there. So there we are. This is Tau Aquarii appearing from behind the moon. And it's all to the left of Vesta. So you can use Vesta and Tau as a guide to get to uh, Vesta itself. And so uh, you know, you can find a minor planet. You've got the, the moon, uh, two solar system objects, and of course a star, which is an Aquarius as well. So there we are. By 17 minutes past midnight, it will definitely be visible, that star. But Keep watching from when it rises, the moon rises, and you'll see the reappearance of Tau Aquarii. So I always love these, so this sudden appearance sort of thing, these stars, and they, you know, that, and, and they can be quite startling, to be fair, mm. you know, they, because it is such an abruptness to it that you've got this dark space, and then suddenly, bing, there it is. It's in view. The only time it's different is when it's um, grazing the north or southern horizon of the moon. You get a grazing occultation. And then that, I, I've, I've only seen a couple um, because usually it's cloudy with the rest of <laughs> Whenever these <laughs> events are happening, it's cloudy, isn't it? But hopefully we have clear skies. But it's quite something to see the star flitting in and out, putting in the valleys of the moon briefly. So you get this star flickering. And what you're really seeing is the mountains of the moons getting in the way and blocking, occulting the star briefly. But that won't happen this time. But, you know, there are various occultations and grazing occultations throughout the year because the moon, of course, goes around the whole of the Earth in a month and uh, throughout the year, you know, we see a whole range of different stars nearby to the moon and some occulted as well. So there we are. We finish the week with an occultation but the reappearance of Tau Aquarii. That, that does sound like a particularly... Uh striking event to end this week on um so thank you very much for taking the time today paul to tell us all about what we can see this week in the night sky my pleasure if you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month be sure to pick up a copy of bbc sky at night magazine where we have a 16 page pullout sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our Sky Guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes, or Spotify. Thank you.